Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A video game developer who I think even he will agree is both famous and infamous all at the same time. Wrestling Revolution 3D has surpassed over 100 million downloads. The first sports combat game to do so. His latest game, Wrestling Empire, is boasting more engagement than AEW Fight Forever. Uh, His latest non-wrestling title, School Days, lets you live out some of your wildest school memories. Like the time Mr. Bentley, the maths teacher, hit you with a broom. Or the time you had to drop off an N64 at a dodgy nightclub with one of the bushwhackers. Class is in session right now, though, because I'm joined by Matt Dickey. You will know and love him as M. Dickey. Matt, how are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk wrestling with my fellow Brits for once. Yeah, I bet. It's, there's not many of us. People forget yeah, People forget that this wrestling revolution is a British revolution as well. There's a lot of British sites, such as your own British wrestling games being made. It's... There's a lot happening in, from this little island. From this tiny island, Mighty Trees Doth Grow. We're seeing the, the big boys. We've seen WWE, AEW, and Impact Wrestling coming over to the UK this year. And we're becoming a bit of a hotbed on this side of the water, Matt, aren't we? And we might have a few exports if uh, Will Ospreay does go to uh, WWE. Oh. I've, been, I've been studying the rumours all morning, as well as studying... I'm sure you had an up close and personal view of Will Ospreay uh, in Newcastle at Turning Point. And uh, and then again, NJPW on the day after that, he's been a busy boy. He has been a very busy boy, but as have you as well. Um, what was lovely this mm-hmm. weekend was we had a bit of an M. Dicky moment enter wrestling zeitgeist. The AEW collision uh, is on and there's Swerve with a powerbomb power slam that uh, feels like it's right out of an M. Dicky game. And the, the comments yeah. suggested otherwise. It must be lovely that... For all the years that you've been doing this, to, to get the nod from fans in, in the modern game must feel really special. Yeah, secretly, that's what I always wanted is that kind of like that vindication where you just kind of you become part of the culture. And and it's happened a couple of times now where something will happen in the in the industry or in another wrestling game. And the first comment will be, M. Dickie already did that. M. Dickie did that. M. Dickie did that. It's become like... Um, that South Park episode where they said the Simpsons has already done that. The Simpsons has already done Simpsons that. Did. Nobody can do anything now. <laughs> Nobody can do anything now without someone saying, "Oh, M. Dickie did that in uh, 2004." So, um, it- yeah, it's a, it's a, I take it as a compliment. It's a pleasure to to be on people's minds after all this time. Oh, absolutely. And um, we want to talk. About, I want to talk a bit about your journey. I know that you've you've chronicled it on your website, but for for those who don't mm. know, like your 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 creative energy. 
uh, for making games goes beyond making video games. Uh, I'm I know mm. I know for a fact that you essentially made a VR pinball game in the eighties. And and I'd love for you to tell the story <laughs> of, uh, and that's what it is. You might paint it as otherwise, as far as I'm concerned. M. Dickey invented VR pinball. Tell us how you invented VR pinball for those who don't know. Well, it goes back even further than that because before I even had a computer, I used to make my own card games and dice games. And it's funny, they had the exact same stats that I use now, popularity, strength, skill, agility. And um, it's just funny, when I got my hands on a computer, that was just became the next outlet, natural outlet for the same creative energy, the same desire to create my own entertainment. And I just never looked back, back. I never stopped trying to create the things I wanted to exist, which didn't already exist. So tell us how you made VR pinball. For those who might want to make it at home, <laughs> Blue Peter style. Um... What do you what do you mean VR VR? Pinball? Well, you had like you, you you described it on on. Oh, where you I, had, like, oh the... yeah, you you you've got a better memory than me. That is correct. <laughs> I I, I that out of my. I've done my research, sir. Memory. So you had oh, like like this. True. You had like a cardboard setup that gave you like a viewfinder. Oh, I thought you meant that. I'm so old that I used to make games for the Virtual Boy. Oh, but, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. When I when I was when I was a child. When I was a kid, I used to play around with cardboard in the back of my dad's shop. And I ended up drawing these pictures of people at the bottom, whether it was a football goal or some people you've got to shoot, like enemies. And I put a, a, yeah, a ball inside, like a ball bearing or a marble. And I just used to rock my head backwards and forwards and try and bang it against these characters at the bottom of a um, thing. Convinced myself I'd invented virtual reality. I had fun with it. And um, yeah, I, that's... What I take from that is that I never let anything stop me. I, I could just sit there with some rocks and make a game. So I'd like to think that even if I was born in a different century, I would still be doing something similar to what I'm doing. I love, and I loved reading about like the other stuff that you made. Like you say, you mentioned you made your own card games. You made like a wrestling dice game. You were making top yeah. trumps before they were cool. Um, and it was you that. and your brother a lot of the time, but a lot of it yeah. always revolving around wrestling when did you guys first become mm. wrestling fans so i remember the, the day i was in the playground when i was 10 years old and this other kid came up to me and showed me a card of the ultimate warrior you know those trading cards they had in that in that era. and i was just fucking sitting and he said he's the champion and i just i just it blew my mind that there was this guy who looks like a real life superhero and then so i, I I had to see what that was all about. And then that got me into Hulk Hogan. So all, all these larger than life characters who have who have worked hard to build bodies to actually look like that in real life. And then that that was my gateway drug that got me on to seeing Bret Hart sort of say, okay, this is what it looks like at its finest. This is what it looks like when you treat it as an art form. Then that turned into me appreciating the behind the scenes stuff, which I find even more fascinating than the in-ring product. And I never lost I lost my fascination with the big characters. I never lost my fascination with what happens behind the scenes. And no matter how disillusioned I am with the in-ring product, I'll never stop checking the news sites for what's happening. And I think um, it's, it's that's something that you mentioned recently as well. You say how so, you know when those sort of darker periods have happened in wrestling, when interest is down, that desire mm. to find out how it is built goes up because people like yourself want to try their hand at getting in the mix and making it and creating it and coming up with their own storylines yeah. and such like that. So 
It really is in keeping with that. Um, when it came, so when it came to making your first wrestling game, so how old would you have been? I think because I think that was your first wrestling game. Was it the dice one with the figures, or was it mon- the wrestling monopoly game that you made? Oh, wow, you've really done your research. Um, yeah, the, the the card. So here's how it works: the card game comes first because that's standalone. You can play it like top trumps. Then a, a universe is built around those cards, and we build a you know the Monopoly game with a board where you go to different arenas, and you use those cards to play that game with Monopoly money. And yeah, it's really amazing how how many of the ideas we we thought dreamt up then got grew legs once i got a computer and i'm just doing the same thing the same thing with the career mode the same thing with the booking mode all the same theory uh just in the video game space who do you get your creative mind from oh i, I can't all I, all I know is i'm passionate about have you ever sat there and said somebody should do this somebody should do that I'm fortunate enough that I am somebody in that equation. I can bring that into existence. And that's a very powerful thing to think and a very powerful thing to say. I am somebody. Uh, and so I just always felt that way. If I if something doesn't exist, I grant myself the opportunity to try to bring it into existence. It might not always be a home run, but I credit myself with, with why not? It's like, it's, it's, it's like, if not me, who? If not now, when? If not here, where? These are questions I ask myself every day. And the answer is, why not? That's, and it's a testament to what you say in the sense that, like, you miss you miss all the chances that you don't take. Exactly. It's, 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 it's classic, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, my attitude is shoot for the stars and land on a cloud. I'm happy to do that. People can mock me for landing on a cloud. I'm on a cloud because I got halfway towards a star, and I'm happy to just be interpreted that way. That's, that's such a wonderful uh, mental space to mm. be in. Um, when you were at this mm. age and you were you had that creative mind, what was the job ambition? Did you have one at that point? Was there things that you wanted to do, or was the ambition always just to create and see where it took you? It wasn't to make games. I didn't think that was realistic. Um, I, I can't really. I, I was studying media. I studied media studies at college. So I think I was gravitating towards like film school or something like that, something in the media. And then in the background of that, making games just became the thing that I have the best chance of, of, of standing out at. And it slowly overtook all of my other passions. And um, yeah, by the time I left university, I was literally doing it for a living. Um, it's funny because I was getting failed in the class for game design class. I was getting failed for this, that, or the other, for not jumping through the hoops while I was making a living from making games. <laughs> so there's this real um, kind of contradiction between what I was being taught in theory and what I knew worked in the real world in practice. And I was building an audience. I was building the ability to entertain an audience without anyone's permission. Did they know that you were doing that on the side as well? And were they aware that you were yeah. you were, you were going against the what they were advising you yeah. and having success through it? Yeah, it was a real... I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I mean, I was probably a difficult student. I was probably like a know-it-all or something like this. I was probably creating conflicts and not kind of like just being maverick and not following the rules and like... Um, um, so half of it I'm willing to take responsibility for, but the other half was... 
if I did do what they told me, not, not a single person who graduated that course ended up doing this for a living because they, you can't jump through the hoops and then just walk away with a piece of paper and get a job in this industry. You have to learn how to entertain an audience. Uh, I think in any, in any industry. And, and so I didn't learn anything that I didn't go home and teach myself. I didn't, I had to go the extra mile uh, to, to get something out of that course. Now, you built your first fully-fledged game, which was Federation Online. Oh, it's in, in sort of contrast to working whilst you were doing media studies, am I right in thinking that this one you did whilst you were getting your bachelor's at Salford? Yeah. Yeah, Wrestling Online. The uh, Federation Online, the 2D wrestling game. And yeah, that would have been made o over my Christmas holidays at university. I was going to ask you sort of how you divvied up the time with actually working on your bachelor's of science and making the game. Was it something that chewed up your free time or was it when you were off from, from your education? Um, yeah, it was, it was like weekends. It was like, that was like my weekend project. Um, cause I would, I would do what I was required to do at the, at the, at the college at the university. I would still be socializing with my friends and prioritizing that part of university. And, and sometimes those two things combined in ways you wouldn't imagine. Cause I would make games about my housemates about something stupid that happened last week. I, I would, I would like take that as like, it's like a challenge. Like, can I make a, a game about anything? Um, and, and I love the challenge of that. It was a good learning experience to just um, do off the wall abstract things. And it bonded me with them when, you know, instead of getting someone a, a birthday card, you're getting them a birthday game. It's, 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 it's suddenly you're turning it into an art form. You, you're, you're making games the way somebody would strum a guitar. You're, making games on your own can be that ex expressive and artistic and, uh, and personal. And so I really lent into that, took all the good things out of it. And by the end of that summer, I had had a few 2D games, fully fledged games. So Federation Online was essentially you rocking up at a house party and going, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. Ripping, yes. Um, and yeah, and improvising and, and no pressure. Uh, all you're doing is entertaining people. That's a good education. Um, and a lot of people, um, it's my advice for a lot of people is to learn what makes people happy, to take that time to see what you find entertaining, what they find entertaining before you start charging for things and turning it into a business. You've got to earn the right to do that. What's interesting is that you end up on the other side of it. And I'm just sort of jumping ahead in the timeline a bit because we've talked about how uh, you were you were being sort of graded down in some courses, despite the fact that mm, you were yeah. implementing it properly in the real world and it was yeah. working fine. But then you ended up teaching on the other side of that. And how yeah. did you find being on that side of it as opposed to being the, the student? Uh, and what did you do that you think a young Matt Dickey would have liked to have had a teacher do? Um, so yeah, that, that's why I said um, I take half responsibility because I realized um, quite suddenly that I was being a disruptive student in that sense. And they've got their own criteria of what they want to get out. And I was kind of like saying, but wouldn't it be better if we did this? Wouldn't it be better if we did that? Which was fine for my career, but not for their education. And so when I had a chance to become a teacher and I had a chance to go into schools and use technology to uh, kind of, I was kind of like, they were banking on me to kind of like show teachers how to use these new interactive whiteboards they had and try a new method of education where you make it entertaining. And I ended up turning my back on that. I ended up pretty quickly saying, this isn't the way because kids would get excited about it for one day and then you come in tomorrow and it's like, why can't we do that every day? Um, 
I'm bored of that now. Whatever you present to a student, they will get bored of uh, by next week. So it was a gimmick uh, that I don't wholeheartedly endorse today, but it was uh, a fun experience to try. Um, with last bit on your rest on your wrestling games for now, um, I wanted to ask you about this because uh, the, the internet tells us that you developed a game for One PW in 2006. Yes. That's true. And uh, there were licensing issues about using it in the States mm. and they offered to buy the rights outright and you turned it down. I was curious as to why you did. No, that my uh, understanding is I was paid like um, I was paid a flat fee to just deliver a game. And um, I was I was paid that even though the game didn't see the light of day because I did my job. I delivered a one PW game. And then they had uh, distribution issues where um, they didn't have the rights of all the wrestlers like Jeff Jarrett and things like this. It was all, it was very mercenary. And um, and so it kind of all, all, my understanding is that it all fell apart on the legal side, but I delivered a project. It was a, it was in a one PW version of Wrestling Encore, a game I made in 2005 or something. And um, yeah, I, I did my part and there was legal issues on distribution. Uh, so is, is this game never seen that uh, I, I imagine you've retooled bits for other games, but has the one PW game never seen the light of day since then? I imagine so, except to say that it was just a reskinning of the wrestling encore game that did exist. So entertainment wise, my fans didn't miss out on anything, but the one PW fans missed out on a celebration of their, of their promotion and uh, the chance to engage their audience um, uh, all day, every day, because that, that's one thing I can offer independent promotions is, um, or any wrestling promotion is, is you, you're keeping people engaged for hundreds of hours per year on top of what they see on TV. So the it's a very valuable uh, piece of merchandise. It's more than merchandise. Which promotions have, uh, if any, have reached out to you as well as One PW to, uh, to to get a bit of the M Dicky effect into what they do? Oh, I mean, every everybody south of AEW has ended up on my doorstep at one point or another um, to you know to either engage their audience with a, a nice piece of merchandise or or to join be part of the success of existing games. Um, but and for personal reasons, that's been very tempting. Personally, I'd love to get close to the ring uh, and and meet my heroes, but that's not a good enough reason for me to do it. Um, because there's always a there's always this power imbalance where nobody can actually do anything for me now because I've proven that I can take an off-brand wrestling game past 100 million downloads with no famous faces in the marketing. So what can anybody realistically do for me at this point that I haven't already done for myself? And and um, so it always falls down at that point. It's just asymmetrical, to put it politely. You're doing it on your own. You don't necessarily need that mm. impetus. It would be yeah. I mean, unless the, I, mean, I, I wish I could. Was right. Even then, I mean, I don't think even even I don't think even WWE could like talk you into it because I mean they couldn't even take a game past 100 million downloads. So not even that kind of like tempts me um, that much. Apart from that experience, that one day where I shake hands with like Cody Rhodes or something, it's not worth it for that one moment to enter into this asymmetrical one year long relationship and so as much as i'd like to give back to the wrestling community it, it, it never makes uh, never makes any uh, logical sense it's all heart and uh, that's not good enough i'm afraid
but you've gone beyond there as well. Um, you, you gave us the first and, and, and possibly only football RPG game in grassroots. Uh, it's, and I'm right, surprised yeah. it's not a, a genre that's studied even further. Uh, and, and, and people know you for so many other sort of what would seem like out there ideas. But in talking to you, it's like, as you say, if not me, then who? Games like the U Testament yeah. that get all the love in the world. Oh, yeah. Like, um, is there, an, is there, I, I think I know where you, how you might answer it, but I'd love to be wrong. When you say like you 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 phrase it as if not me, who if not then when? Um, yeah. Is there a game that you've brought out that you've gone? Mm, maybe I missed the mark on that one, or is there one that you would love to have done but maybe missed the mark, maybe missed the opportunity to? Uh, I think as you say, football. I did feel I should have done more with football because that was as big a part of my life as wrestling was. You know, international superstar soccer, 64, sensible soccer on the Amiga, championship manager on the PC. This was just a bigger part of my childhood as wrestling. And and theoretically, I should have done for them what I've done for wrestling. Um, I would have loved to have made my own kind of um, version of international superstar soccer with that 64-bit sensibility and then gone in a thousand different directions with that. But I tried my best and it was so difficult to master this sport. The physics of a ball and, and 22 different characters with the AI required to play that sport well, it was beyond me on every possible level. So I have the utmost respect for FIFA and whoever does make a success of, of sports of any kind. But that one was beyond me. And I wish uh, it could have been otherwise. Because with the RPG and the character-driven aspects, I did have ambitions of taking, if I just had the gameplay, I could have taken it all around the world, quite literally, and uh, turned it into a territorial RPG. And um, yeah, that, I released that game during the World Cup of 2006, and I still couldn't get anybody excited about it. So that was like failing to sell water in the desert, and I thought, I can't revisit this. I don't even have the support to revisit it. What do you put that down to? Is it a case of the audience that you've cultivated is so wrestling facing that North American? And at that time, there was no David Beckham, there was no Messi, there was no hype for um, over there. And um, yeah, so there was a cultural difference. The game wasn't good enough. Because what people forget is that my wrestling games, I've made the same game like a dozen times. I made a football game once. So you talk about 12 bites of the cherry or one bite of the cherry. What, what comes into existence is what people support into existence. If you give me 12 bites of the cherry, I'll make you international superstar soccer 64. Um, but if I get one bite of the cherry, uh, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, let's talk briefly about the U Testament, which has been very openly mm. described as the best worst game ever made, which is uh, a, a fabulous line. The the you know has has stood the test of time. One of the most talked about Bible and and, and religion based games yeah. that was ever made. When where did the idea come from to to build this? Well, I've always engaged with religion through entertainment. A lot a lot of people think it's blasphemous or, or inappropriate or something, but that's I genuinely engage with with um, Christian, not even Christian, just movies about the life of Christ, TV shows about the life of Christ. I, I love a TV show that's out at the moment called The Chosen because it's really diving deep into, into hour-long episodes of, of every single character around Jesus. And for the first time, we're seeing what it was like to live there and, and what those characters were like. And I, I 
I think games about that subject deserve to exist alongside books, movies, TV shows, and anything else. And I refuse, again, I refuse to accept otherwise that, no, there shouldn't be games about that particular thing. Because um, personally, I'd be fascinated to, uh, to walk around um, that, that place at that time. when you, you could be a Roman soldier, you could be under the Roman occupation. It's, it's an interesting time in a secular sense, as well as a religious sense. And so I was really trying to appeal to everybody. And um, I may not have got it right. The Again, we're talking about those iterations. I may not have got it right the first time. And my, that 3D game was widely mocked. But I went on to have a lot of success with a 2D version of it, which came out in Christmas 2018. And that did 5 million downloads to become the most impactful game of its kind ever made. It maintained a four-star review average under that scrutiny, which is, is not bad for a contentious subject. And, and I am proud of how that turned out. It, it is more entertaining. It is more, um, more authentic in, in some ways and um, while still being a game. And... I'm, I'm, whether it's wrestling or religion, I'd rather get accused of overstepping than not stepping up at all. That's my opinion. Did you did you get quite a few comments about the games being being blasphemous then? The first one, yes, but not the second one. The the first one tried too hard to combine it with other religions, like it would mention um, Hindu and Indi Indian concepts. Because I'm, I'm a very multicultural person, I don't personally. Uh, see much difference between the world's religions. I think there's different languages talking about the same thing, and I was trying to celebrate that. And a lot of people took it the wrong way, and and they find that uncomfortable. The second one was more faithful to the scriptures. It's just like word for word, almost. And um, and people couldn't really argue with that. All they got was a celebration of their faith, an interesting little uh, insight into living under the Roman Empire, if you want to interpret it that way, with gladiators and things like that. And so, um, and I may yet remake it a third time and and really try and do a good job of it. Um, you stepped away from teaching. You had a you had a, a spell where you were teaching and developing educational apps. And, and as the story goes mm. back, you were on the verge of buying your first home. You had a child on the way and you went, now nah, I'm, I'm ready to go back into the world of gaming. Did you consider holding off on that big decision or... Or with, yeah. with the timing of everything going on, and and if so, yeah. what did you think? Nah, let's just do it now. It, it was a hail mary because you know my my wife was saying, um, are, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this?" My mother was saying, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you don't want to get a normal job again?" But but um, being being employed, I thought the grass was greener on the other side. Once I got a taste of a normal job of having to be here at a certain time and do this and that and and get people's approval for things. It made me appreciate how much I did enjoy being self-employed. So I was definitely passionate about returning to self-employment of some kind. And returning to games was my best chance to monetize that. And fortunately, it turned out that mobile games took off at that exact moment. And so I just reinvented myself as a mobile developer and, uh, and rode that way. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You did an interview about two years ago where you talked about sort of the, the, the success of, of, of Wrestling Revolution 3D hitting 100 million downloads. And one of the lines that you was, the way that you described it was really interesting because it was two years ago. And um, you talked about how uh, it was people's disillusionment with the wrestling scene. And it was uh, a lot of the game's success in the developing world because the games were smaller uh, in terms of bit rate and size, which meant more people could get involved with it. And and I love this line yeah. from you as well. We did it with no press, just bad press. And yeah. <laughs> this was an interview from two years ago. So in the two years since then, uh, what in your world has changed or evolved? I think it's. I think it's personally. I've uh, found it to be worse than it was then, because in the in the old days, I wish I had the attention of the press. Then, when I started developing for Nintendo, I got the attention of the press, and wish I didn't have the attention of the press because it was so negative. Because um, when I brought my vision of wrestling to the Nintendo Switch, it was condemned with four out of ten reviews and people saying don't support this uh, indie bullshit because AEW are going to be here any moment to show them how it's done and they banged that drum for two and a half years saying no don't don't support this this uh, buggy broken bullshit AEW is going to show them how it's done any day now and of course when AEW game did come out they still had the audacity to say this is far and away the best wrestling game on the Nintendo Switch, and it's the new champion of, of uh, wrestling on Nintendo. And within a week, people were saying, how could you uh, trick us into sinking $60 into this demo of what a wrestling game should be? So from my perspective, I'm thinking, I, I, I did my bit for the wrestling community during the pandemic when they had absolutely nothing on an, to enjoy on a Nintendo console. I stepped up to the plate. And I feel I deserve to be treated, uh, given a bit more, um, <clears throat> a bit more credit for attempting it. Um, so the answer to your question is, yes, I got more uh, attention during this Nintendo run because that that legitimized me in a lot of people's eyes, uh, and a lot of good did come from it. The most hours played of, of any wrestling game on that console, the most overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, the most downloads on mobile. We we achieved our own things. But it all—it was all an uphill struggle against the odds, crawling over broken glass with broken legs, and people throwing things at my head. I just wish I could have tasted what it would be like to have a main event push and the rocket ship, uh, the rocket uh, strapped to my back, 
Because um, no matter how far we went on our own, we could have been even further with the full-throated <laughs> support of the community. And I don't feel it happened. It happened against the odds. But it's something that's very much been sort of beside you for so long now, Matt, in the sense that mm. a lot of the reviews and a lot of the, the 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 conversation around the games that you make and, and i say it as somebody who loves the games that you make and i want to point that out there before we go any further but a lot of the conversation mm-hmm. it can't be avoided that it is quite negative and it is quite snarky um mm-hmm. how do you like this is something that you're pouring your life into and when it comes to the you know, this is something that creatively is is a little bit of you so how do you deal with with despite the fact that there is success, an overwhelming amount of it almost comes in this sort of post-ironic sense in terms of reaction online. Mm. How do you cope with that day to day? And how do you, how much of it do you take on board? How much of it do you throw out the window? So it all comes back to wrestling because there's an unwritten rule where you should learn to criticize your opponent without belittling them. Because if I'm a nobody and you beat me, you beat a nobody. If I'm a nobody and you lose to me, you've lost to nobody. So I think it's in everybody's interest to admit, acknowledge that I work hard to do something special. Because if you don't admit that and you can't do what I do, that's a very awkward conversation to have. And so I've always interpreted that way. I've never been criticized by someone who's capable of doing a better job. Let's let's put it that way. And so um, the the criticism doesn't really get to me. I I like to pretend that it does. I, I like to, the wrestling fan in me wants to, lean into it and turn it into entertainment and build a narrative around it. But it doesn't, it doesn't genuinely bother me. What, what I do is, um, I, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as, as bad publicity and you know, cliches like that. It, um, yeah, it's just, I've managed to turn it into a positive. When someone criticizes me, I mock them so badly that people rally to my side. So it's kind of like this, this vicious cycle where, the more you criticize me, the more my fans will engage with the product. So the wrestling fan in me leans into that and, and likes to get people uh, on my side to uh, make lemonade out of the lemons that they're throwing at me. It's the James Blunt process, isn't it, basically? Yes, that's it. <laughs> James Blunt is, is, and if you're listening to this, you're not familiar. James Blunt is absolutely fantastic when it comes to socials because anybody that gives him grief he will uh, quite publicly slice them down several feet and and you do find yourself as you do with yourself sort of rallying to to the aid and going yeah you shut up leave him alone leave him be like and, and yeah, that's but- the energy of it is that you'll find that they'll, they'll that support will come when you're able to to clap back. You wish it didn't have to come to that, but you have to clap back exactly. to get people to, to to jump on side with you. Exactly. Imagine if it was the other way around and I did have the full-throated support of IGN or something. They would turn around and say, oh, of course he did 100 million downloads. We, we pushed him to do 100 million downloads. At least now, I think the story of my career is that I can look back and say, I truly, we truly did that on our own with very little support because... Um, it's true. <laughs> we had every obstacle to overcome, every reason to give up, and uh, always found a way through. So, for you then, Amat, when it comes to a, a full day, self-employed, throwing yourself into the world of creating games uh, under the umbrella of M. Dickey, what does a full day developing look like for you? Sort of talk us through your day. How does it start? Uh, do certain things happen at certain times. What time does your day end? What does a what does a normal day look like for you at the moment, Matt? 
Well, it's, it's funny because I can't sleep the night before because I'm so excited about what I'm going to do the next day. Then I jump out of bed that morning and I do a different job from one hour to the next, which means I never get bored because one minute I'll be the artist who drew up a, an animation. By 11 o'clock, I'm the programmer that's bringing it to life. By the afternoon, I'm the sound engineer recording sound effects or dabbling with music. And by the end of the day, I'm the marketing guy who's getting everybody excited about what happened that day. And um, that's how that's how I lived in the old days. I would spend every waking hour um, either learning this stuff, executing this stuff, or talking about this stuff. But then, and I was a workaholic by anybody's definition. But then by the time I had a family, I had to kind of get the same results with more clinical uh, timing. I, now I have... I'm still, I'm a family man who drops the kids off at school. I'm there when they come back. I don't miss anything along the way. But what I do in between is this focused bursts of work where I suppose I've just got my priorities straight. I know what I'm doing after all this time. And um, yeah, I, I get the same results from half as much time spent. So it's kind of like more quality over quantity now. And it gives you all that time to... To, to be a dad and to be a be a husband and do all yeah because that that's stuff. very important and that's yeah that's because yeah. as, as life changes that becomes the priority uh, above other things yeah and that yeah that was that was a hard transition as well because I was a workaholic up to that moment and then suddenly I was working from nine o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night and then suddenly no, that that's not possible anymore it's not fair on anybody not not the children. Not my wife, not, not anybody else in my family. And so I had to, the ultimate loner had to become the ultimate family man in a pretty short space of time. And uh, it's amazing to look back on everything that I've accomplished over the past 10 years, which was the millions of downloads and this, that, or the other. It was all accomplished against the backdrop of changing nappies and cooking and cleaning and things that I'm sure my fans can't imagine that I'm so preoccupied with these things. But that's all part of my philosophy of doing things yourself. I'm a micromanager in my domestic life as well as in my professional life. And there's no, there's no aspect of it that I am kind of prepared to leave to others. Now let's talk about the sort of the, the landscape in 2023. We've mentioned AEW fight forever a couple of times during our chat today. And recently a comparison was made online that, despite some of the, the, the despite their best efforts wrestling you know fight forever hasn't performed as well as many hoped it would uh wrestling empire uh, which came out a few months ago has had far more engagement uh, online through fight forever those stats are there for you on steam now as somebody like yourself who has been in this field for so long and seen so many wrestling games come and go what do you attribute to the the sort of the, the lack of projected success that AEW Fight Forever has? Well, I said at the time that they were half pregnant with this visual style because they they wanted to be cartoony, but it was still high resolution. I, I could tell that it was still high, high poly models with uh, lots of materials on them. And I saw immediately that this would only have four characters on the Nintendo Switch. So they had the worst of both worlds. They, had, they were getting criticized for the cartoony graphics graphics with nothing to show for it because when i when i get criticized for cartoony graphics i can turn around and say but look there's 30 characters in the ring look they load instantly and you can make that argument they had no argument because they had invested in this cartoony style that was also expensive and it also took them a long time and it's also 
um, requires a lot of money to pay for that, which is why it costs $60 plus. And so, yeah, I think philosophically there was a problem there where they, they didn't fully commit to the retro style. If they had done that and made, well, I call it no mercy with no limits. In 2023, you should have no mercy with no limits. And they created their own polished little, um, little visual style that does have a lot of limits. And that's really a missed opportunity in 2023. Um, so going forward, then we've uh, uh, you've you've created so much in your you're living your 18 year old self's dream right now uh, of, yeah. of, of what you're creating. What's on the horizon for you now? Like, obviously, the wrestling game production will, I believe, continue eternally. But what are you mm. what are you excited yeah. going to sleep thinking about to, like uh, this week? Like what stuff are you got working on at the moment? So I just released um, my school game. And that, that was quite funny because the when you try to the more you try to distance yourself from wrestling, the more you realize everything is wrestling. So I, <laughs> I realize that it's funny to see what these guys would have been like at school, especially when you've got the photo of Brock Lesnar when he was an amateur wrestler at school and, and Scott Steiner. And then you realize that people like Shane Douglas used to be a teacher, Spike Dudley used to be a teacher. I just found out that um Hangman Adam Page used to be a teacher. And so it's the more you distance yourself from wrestling, the more you realize it all comes back to wrestling. And so that's been fun. And eventually that will evolve into a remake of my prison game, Hard Time. And, and the exciting thing is that as these things introduce their own features, they will all feed back into Wrestling Empire. So the romantic relationships from the school game will come back to wrestling. The the legal system from the prison game will create court cases in the career mode in the wrestling game. And then when I make a zombie game, the horrific injuries will circle back to the wrestling game. When I make a superhero game, the the uh, costumes will circle back to the wrestling game. And every step of the way, new moves, animations, props, and locations will hopefully help all the projects um, blossom together in a shared universe. Um, so I'm excited about that. It's hard to get the public excited about it because the more you do that, the more they say, this is the same old shit. Uh, I've, I've already seen this. Because I was foolish enough to give away roaming in the wrestling game for free. And by the time I released my school game, which was supposed to introduce roaming, they're like, we've already been doing that all year. And so it kind of lost a bit of its sparkle, its unique selling point. Um, so I've been a bit too generous in some areas, but... Um, by the time the whole story is told, it'll have all been worth it. So that's so that's the main thing that you're focusing on now is continuing to to tell that story with with updates and things like that. Uh, and because uh, that because that's the one thing I think a lot of people never really think about. Like, like a game like School Days is never really complete, is it? Like I think with you who's yeah. so passionate about it, there will always be, for, for lack of a better term, tinkering to uh, that will go into it, right? Yeah, that's the frustrating thing about it and the exciting thing about it with wrestling as well. A wrestling game is never finished. There's always a thousand. I've got, I've got a list of moves to animate that's a thousand long or something. And then the, the costumes never end. The the locations could never end. And so, yeah, I mean, someone once said that a movie is never completed. It's only ever abandoned. And, and I feel that way about games. You have to just push it out over the finish line. But it's never truly 100% finished. And hopefully, ideally, you can turn that into a good thing where you can, okay, it's not 100%, but let's look forward to something every week. How about that? 
that's that's more exciting than because if I did deliver a polished product, let's say, why hasn't it been updated? Well, because I gave you everything on day one. And so overall, it is better to have something in the bag to look forward to. Yeah, I think the WWE games uh, have done that in the last few years more than ever in the sense that you'll have a game that will come out in now it's March. They release them. And over 12 months, every like six or seven weeks, they go, here's another four wrestlers. Here's another arena. Yeah. And and I feel like they're quite late to the party on that concept, I think. But like to yeah. not so much to not so much for DLC, but to drip feed it over a year. But I think it's certainly something that you've been doing for a long time anyway. Yeah, I mean, ideally we would ship a game and it would be perfect first time, but um, a lot not many people are willing to wait for what that looks like. Um, it's not worth doubling a game's production time for perfection. Um because you can learn a lot along the way. The sooner people get their hands on a project, you can get a sense of what they're excited about, what needs improving. what, And so it's like a, it's a mutual process. It's a symbiotic process where I build the game in their vision, in their image, and, and uh, it's mutual respect. You build it, they will come, I believe is the, yes. <laughs> the movie quote. Um, there's going to be people to listen today, Matt, who might be embarking on a a similar mission, a, a similar journey to yourself uh, that you started out at mm -hmm. 18 years old. What advice would you like to give to uh, young Matt Dickies out there who are heading out into the great world of game developing? My advice is always to start small because the only people I've ever seen fail in this business are the ones who want to make uh, Grand Theft Auto one day. And that's never going to happen. So if you can't develop an appetite for making a little game, if you can't be proud of yourself for making this little game about one aspect of, of a culture, then you'll, you've got a complete project because that's where the iterations come in. You've got to deliver projects. Um, I like to say, get started, get finished, get better. You have to just go through the process and, and deliver projects. That's when you get the feedback. That's when you get the, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm not excited about that. That's where you learn something while they play something. And so, yeah, I I do get worried when someone announces that their first project is, a, especially in this, in this genre, when someone tells me that their first ever project is a massive wrestling game, it makes me wince because I had to make a dozen small games before I even dared to make a, a wrestling game. Because there's so much that goes into it when you think about all the animations, all the costumes, all the AI that goes into making people play a sport, um, act out a sport convincingly to referee a sport, then to sprinkle on all the business and, and aspects of that in the booking and then all of the dialogue in the promos. It's like writing a book. And so when someone tells me that's their first project, when my first project was someone jumping off a roof, uh, it makes me wince. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Start small, build from there. And, yeah. and from there, an empire could be yours, just like Matt Dickey. Now, I'm aware that we are keeping you from uh, the 1,000 ideas that you've got accumulating and percolating in your head. So, Matt, this has been lovely to chat to you. And I, I'd like to think that this is mm -hmm. going to give people more insight into uh, the, the M of M Dickey and what makes him tick. Uh, if people want to find out more about all the stuff that you're up to, where can they head to? Where's the best place to go? I'm um, most active on Twitter and YouTube, both of which are mdickey.com with the words spelt out D-O-T-C-O-M. And that's where you'll find all the latest clips and uh, screenshots of all the new features that are being added to uh, this shared universe every week now. 
And don't forget, if you see a brand new wrestling move on AEW, chances are M. Dickey already did it. Matt, yeah, it, has been, <laughs> it has been a pleasure to chat to you, Matt, and we'll catch up very soon. Thanks very much for speaking to Colter Holland. Thank you, Tom. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. (laughs) 